Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. This entire year, and I hope you're not sick of it, because I sure am not, because it seems to me like every week as I go to this and uh, I think about it, I feel like the Holy Spirit just keeps pushing on me and impressing me to continue with this and to keep putting it out there. I believe that this is the year of getting ready. I believe that this is the year of God positioning us for what He wants to do. And I know that most people in the Bible that God called or gave vision to never felt that they were ready. Moses argued with God and he said, God, I'm not eloquent enough. He was eloquent enough to argue with God, by the way, just not eloquent enough to go and do it to anyone else. Gideon in Judges chapter 6 argues with God and says, I'm a nobody. There's no way in the wide world that I could possibly represent you. And I think that's pretty common. If we go even to the disciples, Luke's Gospel chapter 5 tells us one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on Him to listen to the Word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. Simon's a businessman. He owns at least one boat, maybe more. And so he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, why don't you go out to where it's deeper, let down your nets to catch some fish. Get this again, I'm not going to spend time on this, but Jesus wanted to bless His business. This is not someone who's going out for recreational angling. He's not going out there saying, well, it's a beautiful day, I think I'll chuck a line or a gill net in, let me see how it goes. But rather this is His business and He's a skilled fisherman. He knows what He's doing. And Master Simon replied, we worked hard all last night. We did not catch a thing. But if you say so, but if you say so, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. I know it's ridiculous. I know it can't happen. I know it's impossible. I know we've tried and it never worked. I know we've exhausted all the options. I know we've looked at all the circumstances. I know there's no way it can happen. But if you say so... I'm willing to try one more time. And at this time, their nets were so full of fish that they literally began to tear. And a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat and soon so both boats were filled with fish and were on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realised what had happened, not that he caught the fish, but that Jesus had blessed his business, commanded the customers to come and they came out of nowhere, brought in the resource that he had laboured and struggled for and had a fruitless night. But when he saw the miracle that Jesus did for him, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Lord, leave me. Not Lord, can you come back tomorrow? Lord, how about this afternoon? Can we try again? But Lord, why don't you leave me? Why? Because I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. His problem wasn't who Jesus was. His problem was who He was. Not only about you, I've lived a long time and walked with God a long time. And my problem has never been with who Jesus is. It's always been with who I am. 
My problem has never been about God's capacity, God's power, God's ability. It's always been about my ability. It's always been about my strength or weakness or whatever I'm incapable of. I understand Peter saying, I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and they followed Jesus. Father, help us today, we pray. God, every single one of us, people online, people that are in the building, people that will join us online later. God, there is not one of us that deep in our heart, in the core of our being, doesn't want to know You, doesn't want to follow You, doesn't want to see evidence of You in our life. But Father, we understand what it's like to be Peter and to say, God, I think who I am repulses You. Who I am, Lord, would make you want to leave. If only you knew what I was really like, Lord, you'd want to move a bit further away. So Father, I pray today that the message of your great grace will lodge into every heart, not just as a, a, an arrow flying through the air going past their vision, but as something that lingers and lodges deep within so we can live for you, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. The disciples... These people that Jesus called to change the world. These people, the 12, and we see three of them here. They are looking at their own life and saying, God, I get you, but I'm not ready for what you want. And I learned out of this passage we just read that my readiness for God to call me, to use me, may not be apparent to me that it's very possible that you even listening to me speak right now might be already discounting your ability to God to use you. You may already be saying, yeah, Jeff, but I'm different. You don't understand how long I've had this problem. You don't understand how it's eating me up on the inside. Jeff, you don't understand that really I believe I'm disqualified. Jeff, I'm inadequate. But the reality is that feeling inadequate or disqualified actually doesn't mean that you are. Peter obviously believes he's inadequate. He obviously believes there's no way. Isn't it therefore wonderful that in his moment of declaring his weakness and ineligibility, that's the moment the call comes. That's the moment the call comes. I'm convinced beyond any shadow of a doubt having lived as long as I have, that there are no perfect Christians and there are no perfect church leaders. They don't exist. If you've come here going, hey, finally I've arrived at the perfect church, well then hang around a little while. I'm sure in some way or other we'll be able to let you know that that was wrong. We won't want to. It's not that we are glad about it. It's just that we're human. And His call doesn't, uh, depend on my adequacy. It doesn't depend on my qualification. At one point, the mighty apostle Paul feels overwhelmed by the task. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 8 says, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. What? Well, let's read on. He said, each time he said to me, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ 
can work through me. He's going to God and saying, God, I can't continue because of this weakness. Now, he doesn't tell us what it was. We don't know for sure. There's books written about what it might be. But it doesn't really matter because I think one of the reasons God doesn't tell you what it is is because then we'd say, oh, yeah, but that was them and I'm different. I think he's saying this like this because even the mighty Apostle Paul can say, I'm overwhelmed. I'm inadequate. I don't see how you're going to do it. God, it seems ridiculous to me. And so I want to talk to you this morning about being ready and about the difference between being ready and being prepared. And I want to talk to you about your weakness. Yes, this morning we are going to uncover your weaknesses. Not publicly. I'm sure they'll uncover for you, just all on your own. But here's a couple of things you need to know about your weakness and God's strength. Number one is that my weakness does not repel His strength. So Peter's saying, I'm too much of a sinful man. Jesus doesn't go, oh yeah, I never noticed, but now you tell me I better go quickly. Now you've let me know I'm off. Paul, when he says, God, I've got all this weakness. And three times he goes to God and tells him about it. And God never says, oh yeah, okay, then go home. Obviously, I made a mistake when I called. Listen to me this morning. Because some of you, listen to me. Some of you here have known the calling of God. And then you've stumbled. I don't know who you are. You've stumbled. And now you say, I'm disqualified. Now you say, oh, now that's ended. That dream or that sense of God using me is now finished. And I'm here to say to you today that your weakness does not repel His strength. Secondly, my weakness does not diminish His strength. His ability is not lessened by my weaknesses. God cannot do, it's not like God goes, well, I would have done a lot if only you'd been better. Are you all here this morning? I would have done a lot more, but after all, you're rubbish. If only you were good, oh, I could have really carved it up. Amen. My weakness does not diminish his strength. Number three, my weakness actually positions me for his strength. My weakness actually positions me for it. The truth is, think about this a minute. Kind of got to get your head around this. My, uh, his strength has purpose because of my weakness. I did the funeral on Friday. Some of you will remember this man, uh, Peter Francis. Peter was in our church for a number of years. Then last seven years or so, he's been in Adelaide. And I did the funeral uh, for him on Friday afternoon. And uh, what a, a joy that was to be there and to celebrate a man who had struggles in life. But I said to everyone there, because this thought had struck me during the week and I wrote it down, that we hadn't gathered to honour a perfect person and we hadn't gathered to honour someone of perfect faith, but we had gathered to honour a perfect Saviour. Because see, the reality is that you may be a person of imperfect faith and thank God for a perfect Saviour. Amen. Thank God for a Saviour who's holding on to you, not just a Saviour you're holding on to. And so I gave them there the illustration. I said, if you're out at the beach here in Western Australia, anyhow, Surf Lifesavers are there. Thank God for the Surf Lifesaving Association, WA. And you're there at the beach and you're struggling and you wave your arm around and say, I, I, can't, I can't continue. And out comes that muscly, brilliant young woman See, you all thought I was going to say, 
women, women, women yeah, we're not sexist here. So out goes this person. This person comes swimming out there. And they, before they start rescuing me, they say, excuse me, can you swim? <laughs> no, I'm hopeless. That's why I'm, a, oh, I'm sorry, I only rescue people that are good. <laughs> Have you been good last week? Oh, well, no, I was until that guy cut in front of me and then I really let him have it. Every time I talk about traffic, Linda Battersby laughs. There's a little something happening there. He doesn't take you through a questionnaire. He doesn't evaluate how good you are before he rescues you. That would be stupid. The whole point of that person's job is to rescue people that can't rescue themselves. The whole point of the Saviour is to save people that can't rescue themselves. And that's all of us. Amen. That's every single human ever born. We are born in sin. In sin, David said, did my mother conceive me? In other words, it's been built into our life. That's why we fail. That's why we need a Saviour who saves. Come on. We need a saviour who's not sitting back there going, hmm, hmm, oh, I'm busy today. We need a saviour who says, I'm there for you. My strength, his strength rather has purpose because of my weakness. Number four, my weakness gives me compassion for others and their weaknesses. Have you, have you ever kind of thought, what an idiot, and then found yourself the next day doing the same thing? Or am I the only person? I was watching this outdoor show where these people, one guy stepped into a hole and broke his leg. I thought, what an idiot. Gone guy tripped over a rock. I thought, why don't you watch where you're going? And then I was over in the bush walking Lola, the dog, and this foot stepped on a stick and made the stick pop up on the other side. And I hit it with this foot and immediately started trying to kiss the ground. (laughs) Never got down there. But I remember thinking about how I'd sat there and said, what an idiot. What a ning-nong. What kind of a bozo are you? Why don't you look where you're going? You've got weaknesses. Why don't you have some compassion for the other people, amen? Why don't we just kind of go, it's all right. We're all on the journey, not as an excuse. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses because he faced all the same feelings we do. You've got to be kidding me. I don't believe that. No, Jesus never. Oh yeah, apparently he did. He faced all the same pressures. So let us come boldly, verse 16 says, to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive at his mercy. Oh, can I just say that again? I just want to read that for Australia where we're all at each other's throats at the moment over a whole lot of stuff and everyone's, you know, dividing up into this. And it seems to me like every week there's a new issue to divide over. Every week there's another thing we all need to take sides on. And I'm going, I can't look at all that. And I'm, I'm, I'm not, ref- well, I'm, I'm, I'm referring to a lot of things actually. Uh, but I want you to think about this. Have your opinions. Come on, have your convictions. But can I ask you to have mercy with it? Four people think that's a good idea. The rest of you just want to stay judgmental. Yeah. No, you don't. 
My weakness gives me compassion for other people. Maybe that's why God left Paul with this weakness in his life to go, man, you could become a bit of an arrogant old thing. You might get very high and mighty. Here you are discovering what it's like to struggle. So Moses coming back to being ready. Moses is in the wilderness and he's running away from pressure. But 40 years later, it's his time. Gideon is in a wine press, which I've seen one in Israel. And it was a very low kind of a brick structure. Wasn't very big. To hide in it, you've got to be literally lying on your belly. And he's hiding on in this thing trying to become invisible, trying to not poke his head up above the parapet and there get attacked. He's struggling to survive. But you know, God turns up because it's his time. Saul is persecuting Christians, trying to destroy the church. And then God turns up and says, this is your time. And I wonder this morning for how many of us, is this our time? And maybe the enemy's trying to get you focused on your weakness and you can't and look where you failed. And what about that? And what about somewhere else? And maybe we ought to listen a minute and we ought to watch a minute because maybe God's going to turn up and go, but this is your time. What if this is your time? We know that being ready is not the same as being fully prepared. But God's not waiting for and looking for people to have it all perfect. He's looking for the people that are ready. Let me, let me just give you three things I've finished. Three things about being ready. Number one is permission. That means to give God your yes. God can't and God doesn't use the unwilling. People act like God runs around beating people up. That's rubbish. He never does. But He's very patient and He will wait until you give him your yes. I think about people that I know that have hated God, cursed God, told me that they wanted nothing to do with God, and a whole lot of stuff, and then God arranges it years and years go by, and then God arranges someone to come from another country. I'm thinking of someone I know, another country, and serendipitously they want to go to a church, and so they, this person goes to the church with them, and then rings me up later and says, when I walked in the door, I felt like I'd come home. All those years of telling God, I hate you. I want nothing to do with you. And God goes, but your time's coming. Amen. Your time's coming and I'm going to meet you. And so he met with this person. You know, when people ask me how to know the will of God for their life and their future, I always tell them always the same thing. I don't tell them how to go to prayer and fasting and reading the Bible and interpreting signs and what dream did you have. I always say this to them. Begin by telling God this. God, I'll do whatever you tell me to do if I know that it's you. God doesn't ask me to try and imagine His will. I don't have to wonder, God, is that you? I always say to the Lord, this is where I get it from, is saying to the Lord the same thing, God, you know I'll do whatever you want. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it if I know it's you. 
I, so I don't live my life going around going, I wonder if and what about, and maybe that was. I live it confidently saying, if God wants to get a hold of my attention, He's welcome to that. I've given Him my yes all those years ago. And so because I gave Him permission, I don't need to worry about being in the will of God because I'm in the will of God the moment, listen to me, I'm in the will of God the moment I give God my yes. Scripture says, and I being in the way, the Lord led me. Isaiah says, and your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you begin to turn to the right hand or to the left. In other words, God says, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to be there. Psalmist says, I will guide you with my eye. I'm going to make sure you know the right path to take. Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp under my feet and a light unto my path. The Bible tells us in Romans 8 that the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. There are verses after verses after verses. So I don't need to worry about the will of God. If I've given God my yes. Amen. If you've never done that, do that this morning. Say to God. Now, you know why people don't say yes to God? It's because they're frightened that if they do, He's going to turn up and do something horrible. Tell them something they don't want and I go, then you'll never know the will of God or walk in it. Here's how you start. God, I'll do whatever you want if I know that it's you. Amen. That was a bit scary, but stay with me. So permission is the first thing. Second thing is preparation. When you give God your yes, preparation begins. See, we work out like this. We go, I'll get prepared. Lord, prepare me. To be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, and with thanksgiving. We sang this in America, remember? When we were 10 children. I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Well, look, it's a great song. Not, it's better when you sing it with music and a better voice. But can I tell you, it's rubbish theology. Lord, prepare me. to be, And then God goes, start with yes. I'll take care of the preparation. Amen. He says, I'll take care of what needs to take place there. Now, how long that takes? It amuses me that the only people in the Scripture that I can find that thought they were ready actually weren't. Joseph. I'm the favoured son. Look, have you seen the coat of many colours? I've had dreams. Oh, you all bowed down to me. Yes, and even you, Dad, I'm, I'm ready to take over. And God goes, great. How about we just get you into the pit? Then we'll get you, <laughs> then we'll get you into Potiphar's house. Then we'll take you to the jail, to the prison. And you're going, what the? Like, seriously? This isn't preparation. This is reverse gear. It's stuck in reverse. My life is stuck in reverse. God goes, just shut up and wait. I'm preparing you. And when he gets accused by Potiphar's wife and ends up going to the jail, it, he doesn't go to the ordinary jail because he never got bought by an ordinary person. He got bought by Potiphar, who was the captain of the king's guard. So he goes to a special jail that only special people go to. And he goes to the special jail and he learns all about what it's like to be in Pharaoh's court and how to act. 
And so when he interprets the dreams of the baker and the, and the king's cupbearer, when he interprets their dreams, he goes, whoa, I'm out of here. And God goes, not yet, two more years. <laughs> Can I just get an amen from anybody here that goes, I'm in God's preparation, but he hasn't told me how long. <laughs> come on, come on, you all got to be here this morning, have you? Amen. Come on, how many of you here are waiting for something? Just, just give me a little help. Only four of you. Yeah, yeah. We wow, hello, hello. Some of you here are waiting for Mr. Right. And all you've met so far is Mr. Useless, Mr. Average, Mr. Brainless. God's got a time. Oh God, have you forgotten? I had a prophetic word. Sister Vicky. Two years later, he gets out of jail and becomes the prime minister of the entire nation in one day. Amen. Preparation. Timing's God's prerogative. You can't speed it up, but no one and no thing can prevent it. Hello. Here's the last thing, number three, because there's permission, there's preparation. Third thing is priorities. I talked to a few families in the church here lately that are moving house or clearing out a house of a loved one or whatever. And you know what they will say to me? Is we never realised we had this much junk. <laughs> who was telling me yesterday about someone who had a, uh, the biggest skip you can buy a skip bin, you know, like rubbish bin. The biggest one, they filled up two of them. It's amazing, isn't it? Hello? How many people? No, you're looking at me like, mm-hmm. I'm I was only thinking this morning that, you know, in, in about 60 years' time when I shuffle off this mortal coil and my kids are going to go through all my stuff. And I, the thing that I treasure, they're going to go, that's junk. Chuck that out. That tells me this, the third P is priorities. I'm not talking about what stuff you've got in your house, you have all you like. But I do know that we accumulate junk spiritually and emotionally. That disappointment from way back then, that old hobby horse of yours, yeah, well, the church needs to, Carlo, give us a break. It's just taking up space. And you're not moving forward and doing anything because you're still riding your hobby horse. The thing's dead. Amen. Have a Christian funeral and bury it. I thought that was funnier than you think, but I thought that was good. <laughs> I'm just imagining all these people going home. Yeah, yeah, let's bury that sacred cow. Amen. Sacred cows make the best hamburgers. <laughs> Give God your permission. Allow God to bring preparation to your life. And thirdly, why don't you check your priorities? God, am I putting you first? Am I putting what I can do first or what everybody else ought to be doing before I do it first? Amen. Come on, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for all these great people, wonderful people. Every single one of us, God, sincere and wanting to walk with you and work for you. 
Oh God, I know lots of us here don't feel ready. But God, if we will give you our yesterday, readiness begins and preparation starts. So we thank you. We want to tell you this morning, just wherever you are right now, online as well, would you just right now, wherever you are, just seriously tell Jesus, I'll do whatever you want. I, I tell Him this often. I'll do whatever you want if I know it's you. There isn't anything you can't speak to. There isn't anything you can't ask from me. I'll do whatever you want. I know you're good. You are good. You are good. Lord, your plans for me are good plans. So I thank you for your blessing. Father, I pray for those people I spoke about earlier that are wanting a child. Say this, Lord, not to embarrass, but because I believe you want to speak life to them. So Father, I thank you for your miracle power in their life as I've seen you do scores of times when it was said to be impossible, but you have given them a miracle. So I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, let everything in the body function like it's supposed to. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and for your grace in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for anybody here in this place who's never started a walk with you. They're not born again. They're still living the old life. You want to give them a new one. So I pray, God, you'll help them today. Speak to them, touch them in Jesus' name. Just while the heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I just want to ask you quickly, wherever you are, if you're not born again, you can have a new life. The Bible says so. That's not me telling you that. It's not a church thing. It's a Jesus thing. He says, I'll come into your life and you'll have a new life. All through the Scripture, He talks about a new life. You can have a new life. You go, how on earth could that work? Oh, Jeff, I've tried. I could never give that up. Oh, you could if there was a new you. You could if you are born again. Born again of the Holy Spirit. If that's you and you'd like me to pray with you, just right where you're sitting this morning, right where you are. Oh, you might have a past, but God wants to give you a future. And if that's you this morning, will you just slip your hand up and put it back down again? Thank you at the back. I can see you. Thank you, sir. Who else? Just wherever you are. Say, that's me. Looking up in the balcony. Down below as well, if that's you, just say, yeah, that's me. Put your hand up, put it back down again. Online, you can join with us online. I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a minute. But let me tell you first, you can look this way. Let me tell you how to do this. If you're with us online on the metrochurch.online platform, the yes button will come up for you. If you're on another one of our platforms, or indeed if you're here with us in the building, or you're watching this even later on, then you can go to the number on the screen, 488 If you're in Australia, use that number. Or if you'd rather get it via email or you're outside of Australia, then you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au and you just put yes in. That's all you got to do. That's letting us know that you're saying to Jesus, I want you in my life. We will help you from that point on. We'll give you encouragement. We'll be with you. We'll be praying for you. Father, thank you for those people. Lord, as they say to you this morning, Jesus, I want to know you. I want you in my life. I want to be born again of the Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for that right now in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. Let's give all those people just a big hand and say congratulations.